Well, welcome back to the Crushing It in Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Joanne Tan, and I'm super excited to bring on the show today someone who has really made a name for himself and doing some really big things. But it wasn't always that way, right? So Indar started in 2013, and since then, he's become the largest flipper in Hawaii with over 50 flips to date and 15 ongoing currently. So in addition to fix and flip, Indar also has 15 Burr properties outside of Hawaii, which is his home state. So welcome, Indar. Aloha. Aloha. (laughs) I love that. Do you want to let the listeners? Yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. You want to let us know how you got started in real estate? Um, We started back in about 2013. We started just with the bank and go to the bank and just see what we can get. And the bank leveraged us 230,000, which is nothing here in Hawaii. You can't buy nothing at 230. So we, me and my girlfriend, wife now at the time, we went and got just a small little hole in the box apartment. I mean, literally tiny, tiny as you can be. You know, we're in downtown Honolulu where everything's a million. So we got a little hole in the box apartment, uh, bought it for 230, lived in it ourselves. This is 2013-ish. We fixed it up you know, painted and I did the kitchen and EYI'd everything, you know. Um, and then we sold it two years later. And um, that was our turning point right there. Selling that thing, um, we sold it for 340 We made about 90 grand on that tax-free after two years. And then we started using that money to play in this game um, of having gap funds and, and flipping. And that, about that same time, we actually signed up with one of the programs. I was so against all that programs. I was going to figure it out myself and I was watching YouTube. But um, those programs and the educational part of things really progressed me to, to where we're at today to be able to really do multiple and do large scale properties. Um, I think we hold about 15 million in flips right now. The ARV is probably up in the 20 million, somewhere in that. Of course, we have rehabs and so forth. But um, we really progressed slowly, actually. Uh, one, two, the first year, three, four, the next year, five, six, you know, it, it was a progression. It wasn't just jump into, um, I think we've done about, I don't know, 28 flips last year alone, you know, um, 19 million. Um, so we, when I say flips, <laughs> our flips are a little different than the guys out there in uh, Ohio where our rentals are. You know, we buy an average, probably just shy of them, 800 a million somewhere is our average what we buy at and our rehabs our rehabs are more than most houses in the mainland <laughs> we've done six hundred thousand dollar rehabs don't get me wrong i love the little baby easy rehabs but um they're a diamond dozen here in hawaii and, and hawaii is totally different market so if i can do it in this hard high-end market anyone out there can do it i mean our market when I started, I remember this. When I started, everyone told me, you can't flip Hawaii. It's too expensive. It's too crazy. You can't do it. And I was like, screw you guys. Somebody's going to do it. And somebody's going to figure it out. Why not it be me? And I just took that challenge and I just figured it out. No one was flipping Hawaii big. No one was doing this big. And there was no one really to look up to, to, to do it. And that was actually a really hard thing for me to not have anyone in to look up to or to um, um, not learn from. I had that education, but no one doing Hawaii big. And I just took the challenge. And some, I, to me, somebody was going to do it. And it just might as well be me. And I just never 
look back and kept on figuring it out and, and failing. And uh, maybe we can, I want to talk about that today. Some of the fails and some of the, the hard and the challenges of flipping as you progress and grow. And then maybe at the very end, we can talk about some ninja tips I like to share with you guys. As I was just talking with Joanne earlier about some tricks that um, she can use. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So helpful already. And, you know, having started in this market where you didn't see anybody really making it big or doing what you thought was possible, a lot of people might have given up. But instead of giving up, I love how you were just like, let me become that mentor that I'm seeking. You know, let yeah. me be that light for other people. Because if you're looking for it, most likely other people are looking for that inspiration too. And I'm sure it wasn't easy you know entering the industry when you did where there wasn't that many people succeeding at flipping in Hawaii are there mm -hmm. some challenges that you faced during that time the biggest challenge is really the money aspect of it all so when we do a flip um, hard money will lend on us uh, 80% of the purchase but we still got to come up with a gap fund so say you're buying a million dollar house and the hard money lenders lending uh, 80%, a lot of times you have to come up with 300,000 in private funds. So that's really a difficulty thing right off the bat that no matter what, even if hard money is involved, you're coming up with a lot of funds. And then to multiply that by 15 projects or 30 projects, you're coming up with all that gap and figuring out proper amount of gap to have. That was a big problem I had at the beginning is I thought, okay, I just need to have enough gap to purchase it. But then um, we ran into trouble like um, hard money doesn't fund your rehab until you do work. So you have to come up with 30 grand sometimes to fund the project as you're doing work um, before you even can get that. Um, our holding costs is huge. Our interest payments, you know, I have a project right now. We pay, I have two projects. We pay 12,000 12, a month in mortgages. Um, you know, I have a $60,000 mortgage a month, total a month of properties. You know, so covering all that, make sure that's all protected and, and, and covered was really a learning curve at the beginning because our market, our values um, are so huge here in Hawaii. So that was definitely the challenge. Another challenge is um, we're on an island and there's only so much land and property and our homes are so different than um, from, the, from you guys in the mainland, from things like pulling comps and figuring out ARVs. Um, because our houses are so different from every house in the neighborhood a lot of times. Um, it's not track homes. These homes are built 10 years difference and one's a single wall construction. We have a lot of that, by the way, to stucco homes, to you know, really figure out the proper ARV. It's really, really important. I think actually ARV is the number one thing. And for anyone out there, ARV is your after repair value. That is, oh my gosh, if you don't get that right, you're doomed. And uh, it's a huge learning experience. And we've had some. We've had our third flip ever. We lost 80 grand. That was a huge, huge learning experience. Um, trying to push the ARV. It was a condo. And we were um, trying to use only one comp in the building that sold. And um, it was a huge learning experience. But we had some other problems that came up um, in construction that we weren't ready for. Asbestos. <laughs> and... Um, really ate into our budget as well and then trying to sell it um, it was a combination and um, luckily we just took it we all our investors made their money and profit and we just took it and move on took that kick in the gut and moved on made 90 grand on the next one so we made up for it but you know you're gonna have 
that happen in this business. And a lot of times when you're new, like we were at the time, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not calculating things right or something. Because the hard thing in this business, there is no rules. There's no, nobody telling you anything. You can do whatever. You can buy a house and you can think it's a great deal. There's no rules. There's, uh, there's so much ways around things and how to buy, you know, using hard money and investors. There's always like ways to finagle a deal from owner financing. To, there's so much different avenues you can do a deal from making syndicates, um, you know, to make a deal work. But, um, yeah. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, there are some rule of thumbs that people follow, but there's mm -hmm. no hard and fast rule, right? And yeah. I think that's like how people make it work too, is they have an edge in some way over another. They can make the numbers work in a way that someone else couldn't, so they can mm -hmm. win the deal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, losing like 80K on your third deal, that must have been tough. Uh, <laughs> what kind of lessons did you learn or how are you able to pull yourself back and keep going onto that fourth and fifth and sixth deal, even though um, it was a hit? Um, we just kind of never looked back and, and just, just we kept moving forward. I think that was my model for a while, kept moving forward. And I just kept on, kept on looking at deals and I knew that this real estate and everything was the, the way I want to go in life to, to get to the next level. I have an electrical engineering degree and a business degree as well. And um, I've been great. And electrical engineers make 150000 a year, which is great money. Don't get me wrong. But I want more. And um, I think that progression of into real estate and just keep progressing this business because this is the only business you can make more than everybody else in life. I mean, I'm a member of this private club over here, Outrigger Canoe Club. Um, and they're the very successful people and I'm surrounded by some very great people and I learn from them and they all either do real estate or real estate is part of their portfolio. And these are all millionaires. I mean, there's, I met uh, Robert Kiyosaki down there in the gym actually and talked to him for a little while. I mean, there's some really high end people down there and it's cool to be around them and learn how they, um, how they, how they do it in life and what they do. And real estate is just part of the portfolio. So that's what's progressed us to really to keep doing this and, just not look back. I knew it was a mistake um, with our ARV and we were being um, pushy. We were only using one comp in the building. And at the time, a whole bunch of new condos got built right by us. So we were trying to compete being the high end in this building and compete against these brand new builds. And um, um, we had a huge failure with, shouldn't say, we, we scraped the popcorn ceilings in the ceiling and there were asbestos in it. And um, we didn't do it properly and we got a huge fine from the state and uh huge huge a lot of costly mistakes there with with in regard to that so now we make sure we do that all right um at the time i just i don't like that old popcorn ceiling um look and um yeah that was a that was a thirty thousand dollar mistake so that ate into us as well with whole times that ate into that whole 80 grand loss so it was a combination of like a perfect storm and uh, i have two other losses but never that great um another $5,000 loss and um, another break even. But that's after 50 something properties, you're bound to have some you would like not like to, but again, that, that ARV is so critical to figure out. Um, and because you're backing down everything off of that, you're backing down your sales price, your rehab, your holding costs, your financing, realtors fees, everything is really backed down upon that sales price. And um, if your sales price is, off by 
here in Hawaii, if you're off by 50 grand uh, or 100 grand, you know, that's your whole profit gone. And, um, you know, that's what was our mistake, as well as holding costs, you know, really dif um, differentiate when you're six months to a year holding. Um, so our holding costs are huge because of our values. So we really want to make sure. Now I have longer hold costs, like I'll analyze a deal for, even though I know I can flip a deal fast and do it fast. but be conservative and I'll use eight months to with COVID I'll use eight months right now or a year for bigger projects or more just because I want to be conservative and realize that this project may get hung up for whatever reason permits or um, not selling or whatever it may be but yeah I think it was really key what you said is because you knew that real estate was what you wanted to do right like after all of it like your why is you want to build that real estate portfolio so i feel like it's like no matter what happens you are going to figure it out and make it work and mm -hmm. i think the takeaway for people listening is if you're sure that real estate is what you want to do expect that there will be times where you have learning lessons but yes. keep moving forward just keep yes. going and make sure you learn from that lesson right so i think for you and dar you really now are conservative on your arv and make sure you um, yeah. properly have all the financing set in place for the right amount of times and yeah. it's like these things got better even though you had to go through a setback yeah. to get there yeah and a huge thing too i know i remember was at the beginning, I would be so skeptical about doing a deal. This is before even flipping. And I was like looking at deals and I wanted to do them. And I just never pulled the trigger. And I feel like that's so many people out there that are just scared to really pull that trigger. And uh, I had a, I have a mentor of mine who was a millionaire. And he, it was a small little flipper looking at the time. And we were going to make like 40 grand. And it was really a tight flip. And, and it was Makaha. It was just a hard flip. And he told me, make 40 grand or you make nothing. You know, Take one, choose your time. So I'm always in that mindset now that somebody's going to do this deal and make the money. Might as well be me. So make, make nothing or make something and try. And try. Um, obviously, make sure your numbers are right and, you're, uh, and you know it works. But, but you just got to pull the trigger. And especially after that first one. You, <laughs> once you do your first one, you, you really pop that cherry and you feel like it um, really it just opens up a whole new world once you do one. It's just such a such a big change once you do one deal you see the power of the first deal right <laughs> kind of like yeah. sets you off and you kind of yep. get more deals after that so yeah don't get stuck in analysis paralysis for too yes. long <laughs> i think that's so much people's problem and uh, it's hard and i ran into the same problem and just gotta how did you get out of it um i went through so much different deals and i never got them like i had a deal where before we got our first one we were like two days from closing and everything fell through and i was so devastated this was like the best deal ever and i was so in love with it and i really got a setback and um just kind of kept moving forward and i had a few more deals like in escrow and ready to go and it kept just not happening because of whatever reason it was and um i think i just kept on looking and trying to kept on finding that deal and um I i'm more of a I trust the numbers person and that's how I am today. I really trust numbers. So if the numbers work, 
I'll do the deal. And, and I remember at the beginning, I'm, I'm, I'm very number, I have an engineering degree, so I love calculus and all that stuff. So I love numbers. And um, if the numbers work, trust the numbers. And I, I think that's always, you know, huge. That's, I think that's what this industry is. You can't fall in love with a house. You can't fall for emotions and feelings. You have to trust the numbers. And I find myself doing that sometimes. I try and finagle a deal and make my, convince myself this is the numbers work. And then I have to sit back and look at it and say, no, we can't, can't push it or can't do that. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a love hate. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta be objective, but it's hard, right? <laughs> yes, 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 very much so. But um, yeah. I know you specifically wanted to share some of like the struggles that you've encountered going mm -hmm. through this flipping journey of yours. Is there um, any in particular that you want to talk about? Yeah, well, we were just kind of talking about it. First of all, the the money aspect of it all, and trying to do this business with everyone thinks you need all this money to do these deals. And you really don't. Um, there's so much different sources that we were just talking about earlier about getting funds. I mean, hard money is readily available. When we first started, hard money was actually very difficult to get. You had to have deals on your belt and we'd have to, we made a fake partnership for a hard money lender to show them I had a deal so I can get my first deal. That's what we were doing in um, 2013. Um, and we were, we were having difficulties with hard money at the beginning because we didn't have any experience and um but now that's that's a different story now there hard monies are a dime a dozen you guys can go out there you need a hard money google hard money lenders um bigger pockets guys they have a whole list of them during covid i couldn't find my 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 lenders were all shutting down so i went up to bigger pockets and i blasted 20 something hard money lenders some deals i had and you know it's always easy to find them if you just use google or wherever and the yeah there's a whole industry now their whole industry uh, yeah yeah of hard money lenders and i know Maybe. you mentioned covid too so i noticed that they pulled back in the beginning as mm -hmm. well but i think now they're all back online yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah during covid um a lot of the smaller companies couldn't keep it up because they couldn't sell their deals off to wall street the hedge funds weren't buying them so the larger ones um lima one um but civic um some of the other ones that I use were still in business um, with their own private funds or they're able to sell it wherever they're doing. And um, I'm constantly always looking. There's no love-hate relationship with them. Uh, I love some of the guys I work with, hard money lenders, but they understand if I can get a loan cheaper. And, and guys, if, if you have huge, if you're looking at hard money lenders and they're charging you a huge amount of points, be careful. They might be brokering that out. So a lot of times hard money lenders may not get the funds, but they can broker it out to another lender. Um, and so you kind of want to cut those, cut the source and go straight, uh, cut the middleman and go directly to the source. Um, I've even so much tried to work with BlackRock and tried to get funds from them. But um, BlackRock's a hedge fund that buys a lot of all of our funds, um, but they don't have any, I was looking for a subsidiary company, but they don't have anything. But, you know, I was trying to cut the, Cut the sources and, and brokers. I mean, they're great and everything, but to me, I just like to keep my money for my son and for my family. And I don't like to give away my money. Um, well, I mean, a middleman is like another layer, right? Yeah, yeah. Paying. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and they're great, and I don't want to put anyone in that. That's their job, um, and they're good for certain times. But I always like to try and go to the source if I can and get the lowest possible rates for me. 
because uh, a point is really huge or 1% is huge for, for me, you know, on my purchases, you know, it's $20,000 sometimes. So it's a big, big difference uh, for me and in my industry. If you're in a $100,000 house, yeah, what is one point? Nothing really. So, um, but then, so you get hard money, you know, finding more funds. You've got private money investors. You can start getting friends and family and other people involved and pay them well. I pay all my investors very well. I, I think I'm the highest paying uh, flipper in my, where I, where I am. Um, I pay out 12% um, and I pay out a minimum of six, six months. So all my investors, a minimum will make six months of interest. Um, I want to be the highest guy to pay them. I want my people to make the money with me. So I'm looking for long-term investments and you let people know that, you know, I'm not trying to do this one house and see you later. I want you to be with me, making money with me and let's grow and keep moving forward. And now we have a huge portfolio of investors and um, very grateful to all of them. I mean, they're really, um, really thankful for all of them because they helped us grow as well. And as well as they're making uh, money with their money as well. Um, and then there's other lines with, um, banks. We just were talking about lines of credit. There's so much different ways to find money. There's, um, you can go to any small bank out there, get a HELOC off your property, or you can get a revolving line of credit that they'll give to you easily. Um, revolving lines of credit are available for any business owner. You can get up to fifty to $70,000 revolving. And these are smaller banks. They make money off of that. You know, they make money off of the smaller guy like us. And um, they'll give you fifty thousand. The trick is, you don't ask for the fifty; you only ask for twenty or thirty thousand. It's less paperwork. A lot of times, no tax records even needed. Um, you're filling out the paperwork yourself to what meets what criteria they need. Wink, wink, <laughs> and uh, you're making that work. Um, and, and the cool thing about revolving lines of credit is you get it, you don't have to use it. You just get it and you have it available. Never use it, never touch it, just sit, let it sit there. Um, low interest rates, you just have that 20, 40,000 readily available for whatever deal may come up with, um, whatever, maybe a syndicate, maybe you can invest as a passive income, but now you have that much more money working for you um, and that's what we, honestly are doing we're making money work for us from hard money private money lines of credit um there's other junker lines you can start work with but you don't want to touch them with factor rates and other things like that but you want to stay away from those kind of things um, um and then as well as you have your property you guys own all out there if you own one you can get HELOCs you can get lines of credit off your property and there's a whole HELOC game you can play um, to really help you get more money to work and create that just create that money to work for you milk money make money while you sleep <laughs> that's the goal <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah we were chatting offline about this HELOC game and I'd never heard of it before so it's super interesting you want to tell mm -hmm. the listeners more about that yeah so if anyone owns a property out there you can get a HELOC off your house right now you can get up to a 70 actually make max 80% of your value of your home you can use that HELOC to a pay off your existing loan and take the the whatever's left over and use that to flip or whatever, or you can just get a smaller HELOC for fifty to hundred grand, whatever it may be. Um, and then you can do a two-year HELOC, and their low is like one point seven five interest rates. That's cheap money. That's free money you can get, and that's money you have sitting in your home that's really not working for you, doing nothing. 
So you can take that money at 1.75%, super cheap, and, and use it to flip or buy an investment or put a down payment. You know, and then that two-year plan, when that loan comes back due or um, the interest rates actually are about to change, you can take it and you can s the other banks will buy it off or transfer it basically um, for like as low as 500 bucks. Or some banks will even just let you extend it, extend that rate because they don't want to lose your business. Um, and then every two years, you just kind of go back and forth. And um, you're either A, paying down that HELOC, it's a line of credit, like a bank account. You're almost using like a bank account and or... Or B, you're just uh, using that to invest. You know, don't do anything like buy a car or buy a EV or, you know, use it to make money. So say you're borrowing at 1.75 and you come in and invest with me at 12%, you know, you're making money. Money you didn't even know you had. I have an investor right now. He, he does his HELOC. He has a 300000 invested with us. Um, first deal, he, we paid him back forty grand, and he went and bought a brand new Lexus. And I thought that was so cool. That I just bought him a Lexus basically and that was money sitting in his house and he didn't even know all he had and you know that was 10 months later he came out with a new Lexus you know and I thought yeah just so cool that you know that to make your money you know who would not love an extra I don't know a thousand bucks a month you know because you have a house sitting with equity and uh, I know it's it's different kind of thinking and it's scary and it's out there that's next level stuff. This is next level stuff we're talking about. This is what all those big real estate gurus and all those big guys out there, they're leveraging money. They're leveraging funds. Um, you know, some of the big real estate investors in the world, they're leveraging millions and billions of dollars to build these condo or hotels or whatever. Um, Grant Cardone, he's, he's master at finding funds and leveraging it and making it work. So that's, you know, that's what we're doing. We're constantly finding money out there and not use our money into the deals. Um, so again, with the, the problems we faced, um, when you start doing multiple deals and you start doing one, two, three, four, and you have your money into the deal, it gets very difficult when you have 30 grand into one deal, 100 into another deal, and you're not accounting for, again, as we were talking about, one of the struggles is, um, not having enough of other people's money in, in, into your particular deal. And say you got enough for your rehab and your rehab's a $100,000 rehab, but you can't get the funds until you do work from your hard money lender. So you have to do a third of work before you can, before you can ask for funds. So you do 30 grand of work before you can even ask for funds. You didn't have that 30 grand figured into your calculations. Times that by 10 properties, that's a lot of money you didn't account for and, and you get really sh stretched out in that kind of scenario. So figuring out that kind of things, um, you know, properly figuring out a longer hold time to allocate, you know, your funds for holding um, with your hard money loans. You know, we pay out hundred grand sometimes in, in, um, in our holdings and stuff like that. So not having that accounted for into your deals times that by, 15 deals or even 10 deals, whatever it may be. Um, and, and, and just trying to figure out exactly how much you need in a deal is really, really a problem to figure out. And I'm still figuring out to this day to make sure I get that, get that right, the right amount in a deal. Cause when you're doing again, multiple deals, you know, and to us now, we'll leverage and just leverage more hard uh, private money or money than we need 
because we'd rather pay out more interest. And so what, I pay out an extra couple grand or five grand because I leverage a little bit more than I needed. At least I know I can sleep at night. We have a proper coverage because if you don't use that money, it's fine. But if you, you, if you do need it, at least you have it there. So having that little bit of extra is not a bad thing. So when you guys are trying to figure out how much you need to cover gap or deals, you know, having a little bit of extra is not a bad thing, even though you got to pay out a couple grand more for it. It's definitely when you start growing. And that was our struggle. You know, we went from like three, four to seven, eight to 10, you know, when you're growing that fast um, and then you have your money out spread out in multiple deals. You know, we have, we still today have money spread out into 200,000 in one deal um, of our own money. It, it, it gets really cumbersome when you, when you're struggling with growing grow, the growth aspect of it. So that was a huge growing thing, uh, learning process to learn. Yeah. You definitely don't want to be caught with not having the funds mm -hmm. when you need it. And then yes. you're going to have to resort to yes. doing things you normally wouldn't have yes. done and definitely yeah. didn't calculate for. So that's definitely more risky. And you know, this HELOC thing you're talking about at 1.75%, that is basically like free money. And I know a lot of people, it's like counterintuitive to what we're normally taught, right? Mm -hmm. Like, borrowing money doesn't seem like the safe or the right thing to do. But like, like you said, if someone's investing with you at 12% and they're borrowing it for 1.75, they're still getting more than 10%. You know, they're making yeah. money. So if someone's listening and interested in like lending money privately, do you have a minimum and you're still going to be flipping throughout this pandemic, right? So oh, we're smashing it right now. I'm trying to buy as much as we possibly can. This is, if you're not buying right now, I don't know what you're thinking. This is the best time to buy. I mean, you can get deals for cheap. We bought a deal where then person, you know, they thought it was doomsday and end of the world and so forth. And, and we bought the deal for cash. No rehab needed. We literally went and painted it, turned around and sell it for a hundred grand more and did just paint nice. the house. And because there's great deals out there, as well as we're seeing on our, in, in our state that we can't, we can't sell a house fast enough. I mean, I'm selling houses pre-selling them on Facebook before I even can get to the market. And then if wow. I do even get to the MLS, we're getting over asking and we're getting multiple offers because we have low inventory already in Hawaii. Now even a lower inventory and these interest rates are crazy out there. VA loans are, I think are like 2.45 is the lowest I heard of your VAs. They fluctuate every day. So, but um, you know, even 3%, it's just cheap, cheap loans out there. Everyone's free refinancing their house right now. Everyone's trying to get loans right now and buy houses. I mean, this is the best time to, to buy a house and just have it ready in the market, you know, but I still analyze a deal with long hold times and I'm still very conservative looking at a deal, but oh my gosh, we, we just bought four houses in the last couple of weeks. You know, um, I don't know how guys do it in the mainland when they do hundred homes like that. <laughs> um, I, I guess we got to get a better system, but we do bigger price points. I guess that's what's the difference um, for what a guy can do in the mainland. We do off, off of 50 homes. We can do off of one. So I guess it's, to each its own but um this is the best time to buy and with covid and everything right now less investors around middle beginning of covid actually no hard money would lend to you unless one lender you were working with you needed 26 deals under your pocket to lend with them you know and i was like 
perfect. I got that. <laughs> and, um, you know, so we were really buying at the beginning of COVID a lot. And now all these properties that we just bought are already hitting the market and are already being sold so fast. Um, we have eight in escrow to be sold right now. And, um, nice. Yeah. You know, it's fun flipping and flipping's fun. And it's, it's a lot of work, it's still a job and it's still a process and it takes my time and energy. But to me, the real fun is doors and getting passive income, you know, um, just keep getting doors. How much doors you got, you know, that's, that's the, my new little thing. So the last year we're just trying to get by doors and, um, yeah, we got a bunch of properties in Ohio. We got three here, and I got two more coming here in Hawaii that we're going to keep as rentals because um, checks in the mail are pretty amazing. Getting checks in the mail are a great. <laughs> it's pretty For awesome. For sure, that passive income. Flipping is still a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flipping is still a job, and it's still something you have to continue to do, you know, for years to come. But years to come, it's nice to have you know we bought a property that um we're trying to set up that it's going to pay itself off in 18 years for my son so here you go son here's your property free and clear um for you in 18 years from now this is you know yours you can figure out life and you got a property you know to manage to collect income from whatever it may be or to sell um you know so to me that's a better better way of building money wealth Wealth is money is cool. One money is a piece of paper, but wealth is for generations. And building uh, properties is for generations. It's for my son and my wife to really enjoy, you know, living that passive income lifestyle. You know, I may not be money rich in the bank, but I'm money rich on paper. Uh, you know, with properties. So, yeah. That's amazing that you're giving this. You know portfolio to your son if he wants it and this yeah yeah, all set up that's that's awesome so yeah flipping and we do burr strategy on our rentals and if if no one's heard of burr you should definitely check it out some of the strategies we follow of course is buy refinance um buy rehab uh rent out refinance and repeat um so it's a really cool strategy. The rules you want to follow through that is making sure when you're buying your 70% all in below the market value, that's a really critical rule and make sure that it can rent out the 1% rule. So if you buying it, you need to follow that 1% rule. So whatever you buy for $100,000, you should make $1,000 in rent. That's a really important rule to follow. Um, a lot of people try to pass that up. But that rule is just a safe rule of thumb. You should still run it through a deal analyzer and make sure your numbers work. But just off the top of your head, when you look at a deal, you know ballpark where you're at um, just to run it through. You know, every state is differently. But but at least you're covering your butt and you're not having a property that becomes an alligator. And you don't want any alligators. You don't want any properties you're putting money into. You know, you want to make sure you have enough for capital expenditures, your um vacancies and all those other things that you didn't think of um, allocated for so one percent rule and 70 percent rule google those guys amber and make sure you follow all of those on for your rental side of things and um, stick to the numbers so that's great rules for rentals to follow i think i think are really important 
And it's um it's hard to make the one percent rule work in some you know expensive mm-hmm. markets that like I'm in California, you're in Hawaii, right? So yeah. it drives a lot of investors to go out of state. Like you yep. yourself have well, done that yep. as well. So were there any challenges you faced in doing that? Or I've been wanting to invest out of state for a while, for years, and um, you know it was definitely scary. And I to do it on my own to go up into a state and do it on my own and. Uh, I just couldn't pull the trigger. And then I found a great partner. I have a great partner, Alex. Um, we're just, I don't know. Every time I talk to him, we're just like-minded, man. We're just on the same page. Everything we talked about, he's a, he's a fellow flipper. He's in a, in a mutual program that we know we trust each other from. Um, we're just such a like-minded people. I really love talking to him and just rapping with him. Um, and we just continue to buy all these Ohio properties. Um, and we're just smashing. We're, our goal is to hit 100. Um, since November, we've got um, 13 actually in Ohio and three here in Hawaii. And we're buying, I think we're buying one more. It's hard to keep up. I think we closed on one this week. Um, nice. But he's an awesome partner and we're just on the same page. And that was really cool to have a cool partner that you can trust. Um, and, and you just really, you know, on the same page. And we created a company and we're, we're 50 50 and we're all that good stuff to protect ourselves. But, um, and when it comes down to it, relationships are really important in this business. I think relationships are huge, even with your private money investors, things like that. Like, yes, we have the documentation. Yes, we have everything secured and notes and deeds and so forth. But I think the trumping factor is the relationship you build with every person. And, you know, I'm in this for the long business and relationships are really important to be on the right side of because you want a good name for yourself. You want to be that investor. No matter what pays your investors back. So yes, we've lost some deals. We still always pay our investors back with profit, with everything, because I value long-term relationships. I'm not going to nickel and dime over some deal that I lost on. I'd rather them invest more and more with me long-term. And, and that's with our Ohio deal. And that's why I'm talking about relationship networking out there. You know, networking is a huge part of this business. Um, they're constantly talking about it. And now I think networking has grown to social media networking. You can see uh, all of us, we're all watching these different um, gurus and people and following them on Instagram and Facebook. That's just another form of networking, um, commenting on their comments, you know, DMing them asking questions it's just another form of networking to build that relationships out there and you just happen to stumble upon somebody or you happen to stumble upon a deal whatever it may be you know my termite company just called me a little while ago because they have a deal you know they seen you know because i network with them i let them know what we do and that's how we developed our rental portfolio in ohio it's a networking and um i really i really love my partner up there it's just awesome. I haven't been to Ohio yet. I haven't even met Alex yet in person, but um, we got to get up there. Um, but we're just pushing it because we do deals based upon numbers. And that's what it is. This business is numbers. And you're talking about California, how you can't buy in California. In fact, there are deals everywhere. And I thought the same thing. I, I think my market here in Hawaii might trump your market, but there is deals. Um, we buy, hate to say it, we buy in the ghetto, we buy in the slums. And uh, we bought three now out there and uh, cash flowing big time. We buy these little hundred thousand um, dollar little apartment, tiny apartments and we make 1650 rent from them. So they follow that 1% rule and they're out there in the slums. But the cool thing is they're section eight, they're low income. The, my, one of my renters gets money from the state from um, 
something else. It's a check in the mail every month. I don't have to worry about the renter having a job or coming up. They're getting their Section 8 rental money. You know, the state pays on time. The state's never late. So I like Section 8. You know, I like the I like those kind of rentals. Um, I'm not a slumlord. I mean, I make my properties very nice, but I, I like the lower income properties because they never get hit. There's always going to be lower income um I was listening to somebody else and they're talking about how during COVID, you know, the really, it starts with the upper class properties. Maybe you're buying a million dollar house. You can't afford that. Now you're going to jump down to an age of 80, $800,000 house and so forth. So the lower end markets almost are the last to kind of go or get hit because um, they're always affordable. You know, if you couldn't afford, you know, it's always, I hate to say it, but there's always somebody in need of a property and, and they're they're fun they're funner they're easier for me i mean i I buy a hundred thousand dollar property all day long <laughs> that's like a walk in a park but um you make sure i make sure i follow the 70 percent rule and uh and the one percent rule and i also back out uh maintenance fees on that so i'll back out uh, the maintenance fees out of that one percent rule I'll make sure i account for that so for us that one percent rule we bought it at um we actually bought it at 80 we fixed it. We're in all in at a hundred thousand. So we, it's worth uh, one fifty. So we can refinance out and take all our money out. And then to make sure the deal looks good, we follow uh, the rental rule of 1%. We make 1650 rents um, minus, minus our maintenance fees is uh, 450. So we're down to 1200. We're still above that 1% rule. And for me in Hawaii, I'll fudge it. I'll go a little bit below 1% rule because I, I respect appreciation. We have the largest appreciation of any home in, a, in any, any state. I mean, the values of our home go up dramatically real fast because we, our homes are based upon land value and there's only so much land. So actually, technically, we flip houses, the same value as the houses in Ohio. It's just the land. Like I have a $3.5 million house right now I think the land is valued at like 2.8 million. So it's the land a lot of times and the house is not worth that much. The house is worth a hundred or 200,000, but it's the land. We only have so much land um, value. So that's a little difference of our, I thought it was funny because technically our houses are probably worth the same as Ohio, but it's just the land is the difference. <laughs> Well, like you mentioned in the beginning, you're on an island, right? So yeah. land is a commodity there. Yes, yes. Yeah, which is crazy, brings up the value like no other. Yeah. I love how you talked about, you know, you deal do the deals out of state with your partner because you guys really got along well, right? Mm -hmm. And um, you said like it's a it's a relationship game. That's what real estate is. And some of these tips you gave were like to network, always mm -hmm. tell people about your business, what you're looking for, and even say like your termite company might call you one day with a deal. You never know, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like. Networking and relationship building are kind of these soft skills that people don't really talk about. Like, do you have any other ninja tips? Oh yeah, for, yeah. I got, I got a bunch right here. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of talk about right here. Um, huge, huge. Here's some small ones. We'll start with some little, small, little ninja tips. So, when you get a um, deal in escrow and you're you're selling a deal, 
um, and you got to close. You have a holding cost. A lot of our deals, we have $300 a day, $500 a day holding cost. So I know my daily cost. So I'll offer a person $100 a day just to close sooner. So I'll give them $100 credit a day just to close sooner. So a lot of times it's the lender that's delaying the close of a deal, you know, 45-day close of a deal when you're selling a property. Um, the buyer, the, the buyer person, the person will push his lender to close a little faster. And even if he makes, you know, five days sooner, that's 500 bucks. He's stoked. He's happy. He made 500 bucks. And then there me, I'm, I really saved, saved the $500 a day hold times five. Like, come on. I, I just saved myself like thousands of dollars just by offering him to close sooner. And you, you wouldn't think about that, but that's just a quick saving thing. Um, I love that because it's like, it was clearly possible, but if no one pushed for it, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And you just didn't like think about it, you know, really. And, and I, it's just a quick little, here, here's a bunch more. So you can also, um, when you're done with the rehab, you can hire an a, uh, inspection. When you sell a house, normally you have to get, the buyer will bring in an inspection and they'll have to get a whole inspection report. But you, as a, as a, the owner, you can hire your own inspection, do, use that inspection report. And normally they're long, they're like 80 pages or something crazy. You take that inspection report, you give that to your uh, contractor and here you go. Here's your punch list. Make sure you get every one of these things taken care of. And it's just a quick, it's a good punch list for your contractor because now when you go to sell your house, a lot of times, especially in a million dollar house, they're really savvy and they're going to try to negotiate because they found something you missed. You always miss something. No matter what, you miss something. There's no, there's a guarantee you miss something. So to minimize the things you missed on your rehab, you know, you hire that ins the home inspector to come through and give a punch list. You know, it, it might cost you four or 500 bucks, but it's worth that 500 bucks because it could save you thousands of dollars from them trying to negotiate during J1, um, your home inspection period. Um, I've been really struggling with a lot of J1s where they're asking for, for something like that, you know, asking to negotiate. Um, so that's another quick one to use, you know, hire a home inspector. Um, another tip, um, credit card game. We talked about other forms of finding money, but there's a credit card game out there. You can get credit cards. You can get lines of credit. I mean, we have, uh, I think, up to 150000 in credit cards available for us to use. And when we first were flipping, we're using our credit cards um, as, as part of buying your materials, buying your rehab, or you can even use it to take out cash. There's a, uh, what is it called? It's called Plastic. And you can use that account, a uh, Plastic website, to take money off your credit card. You can take like 20 grand off a credit card using Plastic. You can use that as your down payment. You can use that to pay your contractors. You know, so getting credit cards. And a lot of things, the cool thing, the credit cards, are like they're they're no interest for you know a year and a half 18 months whatever they mean so you've got free money for 18 months um to use when you sign up for a new credit card uh, as well as all the points and all the benefits of the card so we were doing that a lot at the beginning and using that to gap fund our deals and to cover our deals it got really cumbersome and a lot but uh, we we don't do it now anymore but that's a lot you know, it's just money out there that you can use, um, be careful with and make sure you pay back right away. You know, don't let that sit and build, but you got to be real disciplined with that. But there's, 
credit cards are a huge part of the game you can use. Um, yeah, if you can pay it back within before you know the interest kicks in, it's huge because a lot of them offer like zero APR for like you said yeah. eighteen months. So yeah, as well as all the points and everything that go with it. I mean, that's of course huge too. But um, that's another ninja tip, of course. Um, you know, networking is a we talked about. I think networking is a ninja tip in itself. Should mention that you should always just continue to network with people. They get your name out there. Go to RIA, RIAs. Go to meetups. You know, Zoom calls. You know, start getting your name out there in these groups. You know, that's just a good way to if you want to do this business um, full time. You know, just to get your name out there and getting you know to know other investors and you know who people are in the business. Um, there's some other cool little tricks. Um, especially right now for us, like when you're selling a property, um, you're going to get multiple offers and things like that. You want to, if you're not the agent involved, this is more for agents. If you're an agent, you know, make sure that you're getting like appraisal clauses. If you're selling way over asking, like we sold one 75,000 over our asking. So we're worried about it appraising. So we made sure we had appraisal clause that if, if the, see the thing is when you sell a house, you can sell it for $10 million, but if you're getting conventional loan, they're only going to lend up to the value of the house. If the house comes back only valued at a million dollars, the appraiser valued at a million dollars, you can only sell, they can only borrow up to a million dollars. So you have to have some kind of clause to cover anything more than that million dollars. So a lot of times we want to sell a house for more and it maybe can, but if, um, the loans don't match that. So you want to have an appraisal clause. It's really, really important, especially when you're, for us, selling right now when homes are selling more than what we were asking. Um, you know, that's really important to have an appraisal clause. Um, make sure the buyer can come up with the funds too, though. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, that's why you make sure it's set at the beginning of the contract when, you, when you're accepting contracts. So yes, mm. the buyer will make sure. So that's at the beginning of the contract. And you're going to use that clause to negotiate with, um, so we we actually took that deal. We took somebody lower price, but they had a better appraisal clause, I think, on that one because um, because we knew we would not be able to maybe possibly appraise, and um, they would cover the difference if it didn't appraise. But um, nice. but I mean, other things like um, front loading. We talked about that front loading your rehabs. Um, with your lenders, making sure you you cover that amount of money at the beginning of the, the rehab. Um, a huge ninja tip for me is, what is my time worth? What is my time worth? A lot of times I am jumping in there and I am doing things. Um, I, I'm not saying it's great. It's great to learn every trait and know, understand how to set tile and how to cut wood and how to be a plumber because then you can talk to your contractors and you can be a part and know how to work with them. But is my time valued at laying grass? At, I pay a guy, you know, 15 bucks an hour to lay grass. Is my time valued at $15 an hour to lay grass and help help do the grass? Or is my time valued at better finding a deal, finding a deal that I can produce $50,000 on? So a lot of times, um, this is my problem, is I think I can do it all and I'm trying to do it all. And, um, and I, I shouldn't be. I need to hire enough hire a VA person. Now we got a VA and a VA really helps a virtual assistant really helps uh, alleviate a lot of 
tasks that, uh, you know, again, my time is better, better valued at. I got an email list of right now of 20 different offers I have to write up. Um, it's better valued at writing offers for deal than, than to go set grass and cut wood and be a part of the rehab. You know, I try to take myself out of the rehab as much as you can now. And it's a little bit of sad because I love the rehabbing. I love getting really custom things. And I look always like I'm looking on I don't know, Amazon for some crazy toilet paper holders and lights and the like, you know, I love, I love, love doing all of that. But, um, you know, we're, we got to focus on what my time value that more so is finding more deals and managing multiple, multiple properties, you know, getting more, more, more. So that's huge thing is what your time is valued, especially if you're just even doing one deal and you're trying to cut costs by being the contractor in there, but really, know what's your time value that is it paying that contractor on a 20 30 by 35 bucks an hour is that what your time is worth 35 bucks an hour or is it valued at uh you know trying to make eighty-seven thousand a month eighty-seven thousand a month goal by the way guys that's one million dollars <laughs> so. nice yeah and i mean i think it's okay in the beginning if you don't know right because a lot of people are used to like estimating their time with when they have a full-time job, right? Because they have a salary, they know how much that equals to per hour. They know their worth in that sense. But if they're starting out like on real estate or some other venture, they might not really know how to price themselves yet. And yeah. also after doing some of the things, they might also realize too, like what do they actually enjoy doing, <laughs> right? So it's like yeah. cutting out the things you don't enjoy and the things that someone could do better than you and really focusing on the things that you enjoy doing and yeah. are worth your time. Well, I, I mean, I do, I, I do agree that you should actually learn some of it because like I learned how to do plumbing, for example, and I had a plumbing contractor trying to screw me out of a price. He was like, it's $9,000. And I was like, really? You only got to do this and this and this. And he like stepped back and he's like, like it was, it was really easy work actually. And he was just, a lot of times they're swamped with too much work. So they're trying to break, rip us off. I was like, screw you and i said see you later you're not going to get any more work from us and he didn't and um he got another guy and was like well grand to do the job but because i knew what kind of work it would take um you know it was easy or, or, or even understanding a language like sometimes maybe i don't know the trade and i'll bring in a bring in a pool guy to recoat my pool he's going to tell me what product to use he's going to tell me all the things I'm, I'm, I'm like shoot we can do that and so we'll go buy the product and we'll just have our guys do it or something like that, you know, or we'll learn the lingo and I'll talk to the next contractor that just told me the lingo. And, you know, I'm just stemming off here into the trades, but yeah, we, well, I have a contractor's license. So, nice. but I don't do the work anymore. <laughs> Any more ninja know. tips you got for us? I mean, there's, there's hundreds. I mean, really, <laughs> <laughs> really, um, you know, Anyone could do this and anyone could do it. A lot of people are, as you said, anal analysis paralysis. And for me, I find no offers equals no deals. For us, 21 offers equals one deal. So I submit an offer, move on. Submit an offer, move on. Sometimes I'll submit an offer just because I know I got to hit 21. <laughs> submit an offer, move on. I've gotten deals six months late, eight months later, we've got a deal. Is your offer still good, sir? Um, let me check my numbers. 10,000 less. Okay, we'll do it. And um, 
but I, I wasn't in the game because I, I wouldn't have been in the game if I didn't submit an offer, even though you might be offending that realtor or whatever, the realtor will say, Oh, they won't take it. You're way below. It's like, did you submit the offer to the buyer? Did you let them know? You don't know that buyer's situation. You don't know that person's situation. Um, he may think it's worth so much and way more than it wants and may try and sell it and realize this home, he, no one can get a mortgage on, no one can get a mortgage. They're going to need a cash buyer like we are and um, they'll come back to us because they realize that there's only you know, us. Or, you know, I... I think actually one of my problems is sometimes I'm kind of too helpful to people and I kind of point them in the direction that I honestly think they should go, which is fine. They'll come back to me, but um, I don't get the deal because of that. Uh, but it's all right. As long as I help somebody and they find out the right way to do it because there is sometimes better options, um, uh, you know, in every deal. And you so, never know that might come back as a referral yeah. later on. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think Hawaii style, Big Island, I'm from Big Island, so local style is to help each other out. And, and you know, we're all, we all know each other and you just want a good name for us. And as we say in Hawaii, malamada aina, take care of the land. So we always, to me, that's what I'm doing is I am taking care of the land and I'm taking care of these homes that were just, oh my gosh, you should see some of them. You should see some of my work. You would termite just ready to fall down like you can't even walk through a house. I mean, and just sitting there for years, just really devaluing our neighborhood, devaluing our, 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 what our state looks like. And to me, Malamada Aina, Malamada land, you know, take care of the land and it'll take care of you. And, um, that's how I grew up. And that's how we grew up here in Hawaii is we really value, um, your, who you are and the relationships with people. And so what I help somebody out and I don't get the deal. It's all right. You know, it'll come back around, or if it doesn't, it doesn't. It's fine. I just know that I did a right thing and I helped somebody. You know, I like that. I like to do that, and that's why I love to talk about this. So, you know, anyone out there that wants to talk to me about, I love helping people and being a part of somebody's success. And as I was saying, if anyone could just flip one house a year, just really change your life. I mean, forty grand or a hundred grand in profit on a flip would just change anyone's life just to have that extra just one a year you, know, you don't have to do 50 a year and just one you know and it just really would feel so awesome to have that yeah i love that protecting the land it's <laughs> such a nice way to think about it yes. hey Indar, if anyone's listening and they do want to check out some of your projects or be involved in some of your future work how can they find you yeah, I like to promote myself, actually. My name's Indar Lang, so of course you can find me on Instagram, Indar Hawaii, I-N-D-A-R, or um, Facebook, of course, is Indar Lang or Indar Hawaii. I think I pop up as well on Facebook. I try to do a ton of videos on Facebook and Instagram, and I like to just put stuff out there to help people um, out there, as well as our company website is Our Home Investments. So you can email me at Indar, I-N-D-A-R, at our home investments, O U R H O M E investments with an S dot com, or text me at 808 989 2323. 808 989 2323. You can call too, but um, I do get a lot of calls. So texts or emails are always great. Um, always here to help and apologize if I do miss your call. A lot of times I'm on the other, other line. Um, but yeah, I love I love to help people and get them back to people. And I would bring, I would put this out there, you guys, all you newbies, anybody wants to start working with somebody, 
try and bring something to the table when you are presenting the talk to somebody. You know, don't just ask, ask, ask. Try to bring some value to the table. Sometimes I get that. A lot of times I get the person wants wants everything from me. Who's your hard money lender? Who's your rehab? Who's your contractors? Who's who's they had a whole full list one time and I was like, um, who are you? <laughs> but um I love helping people and I love taking time, but you know, it'd be nice if you guys can bring something of value at the same time to the table on whatever maybe you figured out. And that's what I did. And I, I found a mentor who was just a millionaire and um I brought value to him by helping him whatever it may be. And I put in that time at the beginning of I didn't get nothing in return, but now I have that relationship. And, um, you know, relationships are huge. You know, now I can call him up and ask him. You know, this, this mentor of mine, he's cool. He, he, he's, I remember this at the beginning, this story, quick little story. He, I was like, oh, the average person will have like 40 grand and they want a brand new car. What do they do? They take 40 grand and they go buy a brand new car. Ain't wrong answer. That's what average, our normal thinking is, right? That's what we do. He says, no, you take that 40 grand you go buy a small little complex of um, apartment, whatever it may be, put that 40 grand into the apartment. Now you cash flow that thing. You make, I don't know, 400 bucks a month extra profit. Then you go lease the car for $400. Now you have a brand new car leased out and you have a property that's appreciated in value. You know, you're, you know, this, that kind of thinking is, is huge in this business. I think is changing how we normally are taught to think. And um, that's what I needed for me is to change my mindset of how I was. We're so all of us are educated. Thing they, no one teaches us real estate or finances or taxes in school. I like I want to make that class just for my son, <laughs> and I would love um, you know all of us to learn how to do all of this and how to manage portfolios of property, all this different fun stuff. Yeah, grow generational wealth. Like none yes. of that is taught in school and no. it's so important. It is. It's the number one thing. How to buy a property, how to buy a house, <laughs> how to build credit. It's it's such small things, but you know, we're not taught that it should be a full class. I mean, any teachers I'll more than jump in and come teach them. <laughs> yeah, I can really see your spirit of like wanting to help people and teach them and share your knowledge and I love that and so anybody who wants to reach out you know all of Indar's information will be in the show notes and he said he has like hundreds more of ninja tips so yeah. be on the lookout for that and yes. thank you so much for your time today Indar and sharing yes. those ninja tips with us yeah thank you Joanne for having me and yes yes thank you so much it's awesome to be on the show and talk story I love love talking about it all <laughs>